podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Gavin Hamilton's Euro Road Trip. This episode, Group A, Italy. Hello, I'm Gavin Hamilton and welcome to my Euros Road Trip. I'm counting down to this summer's European Championships by taking you on a virtual tour of the continent. I'll be catching up with friends and colleagues of mine across Europe, some of football's most respected journalists, to preview the big sporting event of the summer. In today's podcast, we're in Group A. We're travelling to Rome to talk about Italy with Paddy Agnew. Paddy is the doyen of foreign correspondence in Italy, having worked for the Irish Times, The Guardian, Reuters, many others during his time in Italy. Now, he moved there from Dublin as a fresh-faced reporter in the mid-80s to cover Liam Brady's time at Juventus. And he's been there ever since. He's seen at first hand the highs and lows of Italian football from Italian 90 to the Calciopoli scandal of drugs and match-fixing in the late 1990s and early 2000s to Italy's victory at the 2006 World Cup in Germany. He's been there and done it and followed Italian football through thick and thin. Paddy's the author of Forza Italia, which is a brilliant book fascinating account of his time covering football but also his life in Italy raising a family and building a new life in a new country and he's combined working as a football reporter with working as a senior correspondent at the Vatican so he's the only guy I know who can be interviewing Roberto Mancini one day and then the next day following Pope Francis around on an official tour so I I spoke to Paddy at his home in the lovely town of Trevignano Romano on the banks of Lake Brecciano, a few miles north of Rome. So grab a glass of Chianti or an espresso if that's more your thing. Stick in your headphones and find out all about Italy with Paddy Agnew. Paddy, Italy are on a fabulous run, unbeaten in 25 games under Roberto Mancini, having qualified for the Euros with 10 straight victories in the qualifiers. They also reached the last four of the Nations League in the autumn, and they won all three of their recent World Cup qualifiers in March. So what's the mood in Italy? Are people now expecting Italy to carry on this form into the Euros? In a word, yes. I think if Italy don't have a good European Championships, a lot of Italian football fans will be very uh, disappointed. The only thing is, the record is exactly what you've said, and it's a fantastic record. They look very good. They're a different Italian team. They don't play the sort of football that you associate with Italian national sides. You know, they play with the defence high up the field. They take risks. They play a game in which they want to take the, the, the game to the opposition. And all of that is fine if you're playing against, uh, you know, Armenia and Finland and others in qualifying games. But when you get to the European Championships and you're playing against France, Germany, Portugal, et al., that game and that risk-taking will be put to uh, a much bigger, much tougher challenge than anything they've faced so far. And Mancini has done an incredible job in the time that he's been been coach took over in the summer of 2018 while everyone else was at the World Cup he was selecting his first squads for Italy did it take failing to qualify for the World Cup in 2018 losing that playoff to Sweden to spark a revolution at at the Federation or is it just that Mancini's done what people expected and brought in a few youngsters but it it does seem that he's 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 changed an awful lot you've lost the veterans like Buffon and De Rossi De Rossi who's now joined the, the backup team the coaching team all these youngsters have come in so it does seem like a revolution for Mancini 
Well, I think it is. It, one of the one of the gas things about you saying that he was putting together his team as as the others were playing the World Cup finals in in Russia, which is absolutely true. But one of the things he came up with, and this is you know an indication of the sort of football coach that Mancini is, is that you know he picked up on uh, Nicolo Zaniolo, who hadn't at the time he he was uh, ab- about to moved to Roma, but he was, hadn't played a single uh, Serie A game. He was moving to Roma from Inter and he hadn't played a single Serie A game. Mancini named him in one of his early squads and before he even played in, the guy even played in Serie A. And of course, Zanioli turned out, Zanioli will not be playing in the European Championship because uh, he's recovering from knee injuries still. But it was an indication of this is a guy who knows his football, knows his players and he's watching everybody all the time. And um, he... Uh, launched one of the players who's considered by most Italian critics to be one of the most promising uh, internationals of the moment. And he does seem to have this confidence to pick players on form rather than reputation. So there's this play, he's picking players from all sorts of clubs. Correct. Um, Caputo, the Sassuolo yeah. striker, was given a yeah. debut age 33. Um, those sort of guys aren't, aren't necessarily going to make the squad, are they? But have they created this sort of atmosphere of a meritocracy that anyone can can now get into the squad? Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. Caputo, for example, plays for uh, Sassuolo. And at least one Sassuolo player, Manuel uh, Locatelli, is is a certainty for the squad. And he's a guy who's only had about four or five caps. And he's indication of uh, what you're saying about the, 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 what you're saying that the meritocratic thing is is at work it's not your reputation it's your form and 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 above all i mean one of the things he wants to do and he's done this thing of having his get-togethers of squad training sessions with you know huge numbers he doesn't, he doesn't pick a, a 23-man squad training session sometimes it's you know it's 36 37 because he wants to see players he wants to have a good look at everybody just to see you know that there aren't any personality problems which is in itself interesting because Mancini was one of the great one of the the, the most talented Italian players of his generation but he never really delivered in uh, the national team partly because he had a falling out with Enzo Berto the legendary World Cup winner of 82 he had a falling out with him when they went to play a friendly in New York and he'd never been to New York Mancini and he slipped (laughs) out of the team hotel to have a good look at New York when he came back in, Berto took a very dim view. And Berto told him once, you know, I, I, you would have had a much better career if we hadn't got off to such a bad start. <laughs> but you do get these players who are slightly wayward, strong personalities as, as players who become great, great coaches because they can almost understand those, those, yeah. those slightly, yeah. uh, slightly maverick figures. Is he like that as a coach? I mean, he strikes me as someone, I mean, he's very good with the media. He's very good doing the sort of suited and booted stuff in front of the, the cameras. Is he good on the training ground as well? Does he get, he does seem to get stuck in as well with the players in terms of coaching them on the, on the training ground. Is that yeah, the impression you I, get? I'm not sure if I've, if I've told you this before, Gavin, but I remember some years ago, I mean, down at Lazio, when in the last days of uh, Sven Goran Eriksson as the Lazio coach, and it was the last season of Mancini as a player. During the training session, this training session that I saw, I sat through the whole thing. You know, Mancini was sitting on the bench alongside Ericsson, talking to him and shouting at the players all the time. And it was much more Mancini who was conducting, even though he was a player himself, it was much more Mancini who was conducting the session. And it was obvious. It was obvious to anybody with any eyes in their head, this guy is a coach ready to up and, he's, he's ready to up and run as a coach because he's just got a great football mind. He's 
watching everything, he understands everything, he knows who's doing what and who's not doing what. And therefore, in short, in answer to your question, it's not just he's got the mind of a great player, but he's got the mind of a great coach. And I would say that, you know, he's, he's been a very talented player, but he's likely to be an even more successful coach. And they're talking about extending his contract to 2024 because he's done such a good job and it's going to cost them a lot of money. But he does seem to be providing value for money in terms of entertainment as well, because Italy are playing in, in a very un-Italian way with this yeah. sort of 4-3-3 three, three formation, a lot of possession, the emphasis on holding onto the ball. They've still got yeah. a, a big centre forward, I guess, in Immobile or, uh, or someone else in that number nine role. But they've got sort of younger, slightly more mobile strikers in the wide positions. Um, it's very un-Italian. Is that just an outdated view of Italian football now? No, you're absolutely right. You're, you're absolutely right. Uh, he's uh, rejected the uh, outdated views of Italian football and you know if he has to choose between a good little and a, and a, and a good big one he'll go for the good little and you know I mean he, he, somebody with good feet as the Italians say is what he wants he wants guys who are comfortable on the ball and can play with them and, and he certainly doesn't want the big number nine target man in the centre and he will use perhaps Bellotti or Immobile in that role but they're, they're lads who can play a bit as well those two and everybody around them can play a lot in the recent World Cup qualifiers, the three games in March, he, he named this huge squad of about 30, like you say, 37, 30, 38 players. Uh, there were a few problems with COVID. A few people caught COVID, didn't they? And had to yes. leave the camp. But Correct. there was still it still gave him time to look at a lot of players. Was there anyone that, that came out of those, those games with their sort of reputations enhanced? Or does he already have a pretty good idea of what the squad is going to be? Well, he said it himself, he's got a very good idea of what the squad's going to be. But one of the most significant things you could conclude from those, those games and the squads he picked is that the Atalanta Italo-Brazilian defender, Toloi, who at the beginning of the year was uncapped and now has one cap, uh, he is likely to be the latest addition to the squad that, that plays in the European Championships because he gained his Italian citizenship. Even though he's played here for the last five seasons, he gained his Italian citizenship only this year, only in, only in late February, just in time to get into that squad. And Mancini didn't waste a second, called him up immediately. And if that is an indication of his intentions, I don't know what is. Yeah, and, and he played quite a few different players at centre-back, didn't he? I mean, you obviously got Chiellini and Bonucci as the sort of, the sort of two solid, solid guys who've sort of been there forever. But some, some other youngsters coming through as well. Bastoni, this, this kid at Inter, looks quite special. Looks like the sort of guy who could be part of the national team for quite a long time. Is Bastoni likely to sort of push the, those two in the, in the centre-back roles for, for a start? Oh, yeah. yeah. I think one, one of the surprises that might come out of his squad is that uh, Chiellini mightn't even be in the squad. I know that really? sounds mad. Probably I'm, I'm, I'm gambling in that. But he may well... The problem is that Chiellini's had... Uh, injury problems on and off throughout the season and this, you'd be, you're taking a chance with him if you call, if you call him up for this competition. Uh, Bonucci will obviously be there but he's got a number of uh, players who could move in alongside Bonucci and the two that we've just mentioned are, are two of those players that's Toloi and uh, Bastoni. Bastoni's very uh, interesting player for Italy because he, he can play, basically he can play at full back or in the centre of defence and that. That's another of the things that Mancini He's very happy with this. You know, a guy like Locatelli, the Sassuolo player I mentioned earlier, he can play centre midfield, wide midfield. He can play as a, almost as a winger. He, he likes uh, shuffling his pack and he likes players who are uh, 
you know, adaptable, can play in different positions. He does seem to to like that versatility. But in, in midfield, you've got Verratti and Jorginho as sort of ball players in midfield. Correct. Um, not the sort of hard men that we associate with the, it- the Italian teams of the past, with the Tardellis and others. No, um, no. Who's going who's gonna to do that role? Because there's Nicola Barella is another guy, youngster who's come through from in, playing very well for Inter, the league leaders. Is he the most likely choice alongside Verratti and, and Giorgina? Because you, you mentioned Locatelli, but there's, there yeah. does seem to be a few options for that sort of hard man role. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, you're right. I mean, most at the moment, you would say that Jorginho, Verratti and Barella are the, uh, the first choice for the three in midfield. But Locatelli will be pushing them hard. And I would expect Locatelli will see a lot of action during the Euros. But the point, but the fact that, you know, his two most experienced and, and arguably the most important midfield players are Verratti and Jorginho, two essentially creative players and certainly not Marco Tardelli type, you know, Benetti type guys will clash in and bump into you. He, well, it says all. It says all you need to know about Mancini's version of football. He, he wants guys in every part of the every part of the team who can who are comfortable on the ball and can do things with the ball. Yeah, and further forward, Immobile is probably the first choice centre forward with Belotti. We talked about one of those two as the number nines. Who, who are the options for the sort of wider attacking roles? You've got Insigne, the Napoli player. You've got Chiesa the Juventus forward. Bernadeschi is quite a sort of interesting guy, isn't he? Because he can play in a few different roles. Mancini yeah, talked about Bernadeschi playing this false nine role as well, but he didn't seem to try him out in that role. It was just something he talked about in, in press conferences. No, but you're right. You've named the people who matter. Um, I would think Insigne and Bernadeschi, uh, for example, are absolute certainties for the squad. Um, the first two number nine choices alternate, as you said, between uh, Belotti and Immobile. But you'll be looking for fireworks from somebody like um, Bernadeschi or Insigne. Uh, Insigne is a fantastically uh, gifted player who's never really delivered for Italy, and he might just do it this time. He's at the end of, he's not at the end of his career, but he's, uh, you know, he's in his 30s now. He's not a youngster anymore, and this is time to actually deliver and deliver seriously once for Italy. Bernadeschi is a player that Mancini likes a lot, but, but again, it's because what I was saying earlier, he can play, he can play wide, generally does play wide as a winger, basically, on, as a left winger. But he can play left of midfield. He can play right of midfield. He can play left back. <laughs> has played left back under Mancini, which you know he, he's like a out and out striker. Mancini uses him as left back at a certain point in one of his uh, recent games. So you know, what I'm saying is, he's, Mancini is once again laying down his credo, which is you know if if you're comfortable on the ball, if you can do things with the ball, you can play. Yeah, and he's picking players who are in form. Moise Keane, the, the, the youngster who yeah. struggled at Everton, but you know took this quite big gamble and going on loan to Paris Saint-Germain and has done pretty well in France. He's come back into the frame having, having played for the under-21s. But also people like Al Sheraway, this the guy who went to China and is yeah. now back at Roma. These guys are being picked on form rather than reputation, yeah, because, they, I mean, Keane, he had problems with, sort of discipline problems within the past, he did, didn't yeah. he? <laughs> but uh, you're right, though. The, the big question is how many, how many forwards is he going to take? I would think in the end of the day that he's, he's going to have to leave out one of the two you've just mentioned, Keane and El Shadaway. And I suspect it'll be El Shadaway. Keane has looked very, very effective for Italy. And, you know, it wouldn't be surprising if he's gone through all of the qualifying group with uh, either Belotti or Immobile as his number nine. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he opts for somebody like Keane in the opening game against Turkey. 
just A, to confuse the Turks, and B, because I imagine, you know, given Turkey's recent form, he's thinking long and hard about that game. Yeah, because it's been announced in the in the last week or so that Rome and the Stadio Olimpico in Rome will be hosting yeah. the games with fans. There was quite a lot of debate about it, wasn't there? Because it was it was still unclear whether the Italian authorities would allow it. But that that's now going ahead and, and that's that's a that's a huge factor, isn't it, for Italy to to be playing those games, you know, starting with the first, the opening game of the tournament against Turkey in the yeah. Stadio Olimpico in Rome, with all those you know historical connections in the stadium. That's that must be important for Italy. No, it's very important. It's a lot better for Italy than starting uh, against Turkey in Istanbul, which <laughs> at one point seems, seemed a possibility, or it wasn't really. But yeah, it's certainly, Mancini said it more than once. We, uh, uh, I really hope that we, we, we can keep the tournament uh, and play the four, the four Italian games. Uh, I'm sorry, the, the four games due to be played in Italy, we can hold on to them. So he's very relieved that he'll get the Olympic Stadium. I mean, I, I, uh, you do too, I'm sure, but remember Italian Avanta, you know, the atmosphere in the Olympic Stadiums for uh, Azalea Vicini's team and Roberto Baccio and Schilacci and friends was absolutely electric and it will be again. And indeed, as I was saying at the very beginning of this, Italian expectation at the moment is uh, is high. Indeed, perhaps unrealistically high. Yeah, I mean, how's the public feeling about the tournament? Because presumably, there are you know the, the football authorities are saying the stadium yeah you know, is going to open and everything. Has that caused any friction elsewhere? Because presumably, other people are saying, well, yeah, you know, we could be opening our stadiums or our theatres or our cinemas or whatever. But football seems to have been given special treatment here. Yeah, to, well, not quite. Uh, you're absolutely right. It's a huge public debate, as it is in just about every country in, uh, across the world at the moment. When do we end the lockdown? How much do we open up? And obviously, when it was announced that the opening game, June the 11th, Italy, Turkey, was on, and there'd be something like 15, 16, 17, 18,000 fans, a lot of people sat up and took notes and said, good, but let's open up restaurants, bars, cinemas, uh, and other, fo- other uh, sports federations said, well, why can't, if you can open up for football, why can't we open up? The, the, the point about this is that Italy, is, as far as football is concerned, will not be opening up until June the 11th, which is still some way away. So, uh, whereas people are calling for things to be opened up, uh, other federations are wanting to open them up much sooner. And the, the government is saying, no, 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 no. We've given the go-ahead to this, but you're told that's about June the 11th. It's not about uh, an immediate uh, go-ahead. So in that sense, I think the government has got it under control and will, will generally be opening up very cautiously, but definitely has given the go-ahead to football yeah. in June. So those games against Turkey, Switzerland and Wales in, in that Group A, all in Rome, excitement and expectations are high, as you say. What's Finally, Paddy, what's your prediction for Italy at this tournament, how far can they go with this team that has been unbeaten for so long? It's very simple. If they get off to a good start, this is true for it's true of every tournament for every team that ever plays in a tournament. Rarely do you do well in a tournament where you start badly. If they get off to a good start, I can see them going all the way to the semi-final. Well, Winning a competition, I don't. I, I, I wouldn't. I just don't think they've got enough experience as a team. I mean, there are some very, still some very experienced players in that side. Obviously, people like Bonucci, Verratti, Orghini that, that we've talked about. I've got a huge amount of experience, but I don't know if the, the, as a as a team whether they've got the battle-hardened armor to go to win a tournament like this. Paddy, as ever, great to speak to you. I wish 
Italy all the best for the tournament and I hope that uh, everything goes well in Rome in, 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 a, in a packed Olympico, hopefully, okay. uh, later in June. But thanks so much for your time and we will okay. speak again soon. Take care. Okay, ciao, ciao. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you liked it and you want to find out more, there's a new podcast with a different journalist from every single country competing in this summer's European Championship. You can find them all wherever you listen to your podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe and follow this show so you know whenever I release a new episode. And you can find out more great sports podcasts on the Sports Social Podcast Network. Just head to sport-social.co.uk. Gavin Hamilton's Euro Road Trip. Follow and subscribe now so you never miss an episode. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network.